My name is Stephen Harrison. I am a gastroenterologist and hepatologist, visiting professor of hepatology at Oxford University in the UK, as well as medical director of Pinnacle Clinical Research in San Antonio, Texas. I'm here today to talk with you briefly about non-alcoholic fatty liver disease and non-alcoholic steatohepatitis. You know, primary care docs are incredibly busy today trying to accomplish all the HEDIS measures that have to be met in coding properly and that sort of thing. And, and if you think about it, a primary care doc has, you know, maybe 15 minutes with a patient to work through everything from their, you know, uh, cancer screening, you know, making sure that they get their prostate cancer screening checked, their colonoscopy, you know, done, their mammogram set up, managing their hypertension, their lipids, their diabetes, and vaccinations, and everything that a primary care doc is responsible for. And then to be able to take that one step further and say, oh, by the way, uh, we need to talk about fatty liver. It's hard to do that in, in 15 minutes. So I think what we have to do as specialists here is really help them make this as simple as possible. And the first part of that is delivering the message that NAFLD is very common. And I think they know that. I think they get right of required ultrasounds. They know that, that fatty liver is pretty prevalent in the community. I think the, the bigger issue that we have to educate them on is that a decent percentage of these patients actually progress to a state of liver disease that can put them at risk of decompensation down the road or even liver cancer down the road. And so I think what we have to do is really get after coming alongside and partnering with our referring physicians to say, hey, look, this patient is likely to be at risk. That's one maybe we should do further workup on. Maybe you should refer that patient and we can continue to evaluate them for severity of their fatty liver. And, and I think that's important. And so how do we deliver that message? Well, I think the first thing we say to them is, look, liver enzymes are only half the story. In fact, liver enzymes are normal. You know, they, they don't reach the threshold of being flagged in that primary care's lab report as being abnormal or high in over half the cases. And in fact, in more advanced liver disease in cirrhotic patients, the norm really is to have normal liver enzymes. But there's a caveat there. The, the ratio is flipped a bit. So, so we need to speak a little bit about liver enzymes to our primary care colleagues to say, number one, liver enzymes can be normal in up to half of our patients and even more so in those with advanced liver disease. And number two, the pattern of enzyme elevation is critically important. And I'll speak to that right now. So the two things I, I like to tell primary care docs or even gastroenterologists, this is an ALT predominant liver disease. So when the AST rises to the level of ALT and that ratio becomes one, in other words, an example would be ALT 60, AST 60. When you see that, that is highly suggestive of a patient that is likely to have advanced liver disease. And what would be my advanced liver disease? Stage three or stage four fibrosis. The other one is 
when the ratio flips and now the AST is higher than the ALT, that is even more suggestive of somebody that is likely to have cirrhosis. Now there's a caveat to that. If the liver enzymes are normal, meaning less than 30, that ratio doesn't really apply, that one-to-one -one ratio, with the exception of AST being higher than ALT. So we have to talk to these guys about what to look for. So, so don't just focus on the LFTs as one message I would say. The other one is, is there a tool out there beyond an ultrasound that can give us some information that may help in determining who we should refer, who they should refer, and who they shouldn't refer. And I would say we actually do have that. It's, it's called a fibroscan. This is an ultrasound-based elastography, if you will, that is simple, it's easy to do, it's non-invasive, it takes about 10 minutes. And in patients that have been fasting for three hours, it provides us really important information. In what kind of way then does it provide that information, you might ask? And really where the utility of that tool comes in is in its negative predictive value. So that tool gives us two pieces of information. It tells us how much fat is in the liver. Really what it tells us is, is there fat in the liver? And that's measured by something called the controlled attenuation parameter or cap. The second thing it tells us is, is there stiffness in the liver? And that stiffness is really linked to both inflammation and fibrosis. And what we know, at least in the United States, is that if the cap score, the controlled attenuation parameter score, is less than roughly 280, and there's some give or take there, that the patient is unlikely to have fatty liver. In addition, if the stiffness score, we call that the kilopascal score or KPA score, if that is less than six, then the patient really doesn't have any inflammation or fibrosis. How accurate is that? Well, we do something called the negative predictive value to explain that. And the negative predictive value of the KPA or stiffness score is about 96%. So it's highly uh, effective at ruling out patients that don't have disease. So this is where I think it's really, really helpful to a, a primary care physician or a gastroenterologist is, look, if there's 100 people with fatty liver in my clinic, well, I know statistically about 70% of them will, will have what we call isolated steatosis. There's no NASH. There's no fatty hepatitis. There's no inflammation or fibrosis present. And we know those people are likely to really not develop a liver-related complication. And so we can really focus on counseling them on diet and lifestyle. But I don't need to be aggressive in trying to work them up for disease that, that may be progressing to cirrhosis. Alternatively, in that group that's a, about 30 patients out of 100, they, they are at risk. And that's really what we're trying to find in that big pool of patients that a primary care doctor might see. So I think those two simple tests are, would be very helpful. LFTs, liver enzymes, and then Fibroscan. And, and really, if you have normal liver enzymes, but an abnormal fibroscan, then I think that patient still deserves to be referred on for further evaluation. 
Um, alternatively, if the liver enzymes are elevated, but the fiber scan is completely normal, then, then I think that patient doesn't have to be referred. So I think they work kind of hand in hand. And, and so you might ask, okay, well, what if primary care doesn't have a fiber scan? This is another area that's kind of uh, an evolving field. Um, there are portable devices now that can really fit in, in, a, in, a, in a backpack or they can easily be transported in a car. And one of the things we're doing in San Antonio is outreach, where we're actually taking that fiber scan, taking a person that, that is, that is um, educated and experienced in doing the fiber scan and, and going to the primary care office and actually doing scanning for them on a particular day, half day, you know, whatever, where the primary care doc has established a template of patients over the course of the week or two weeks where he feels like or she feels like this patient would benefit from a, a fiber scan. And so when our technician shows up, there's a room for the, for the technician to bring the fiber scan set up, and then the patients come in every 15 minutes you know, for a half day, if you will, or maybe a full day, and we scan those patients and provide feedback to the primary care physician. So liver disease may not be a priority in the primary care setting, which could defer or deter early detection of disease. How can gastroenterologists and liver docs work with PCPs on identifying and managing liver disease early on? I think it's those two things, maybe even three things. Number one, disease awareness. Number two, talking to them about what they do usually obtain, which is liver enzymes, and how the pattern of enzyme elevation fits into this disease, and how also that people with normal liver enzymes can have bad liver disease, but people with elevated liver enzymes don't necessarily have bad liver disease. And then finally, how can they use some of these newer non-invasive tools, like a fiber scan, for instance, to really triage patients that, that either need to be referred on for further workup or they can reassure them in clinic that everything is okay. I'll end there and, uh, and I just want to say thank you for letting me bring this update to you on fatty liver today.